Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 115 of the Box Hard Podcast. This is the last boxing podcast that we will be doing this calendar year. Of course, only a couple of days left till 2017 ends. So it's the last one from us, myself and I as this year. But firstly, of course, I must welcome my co-host, Mr. Ayaz. Sumer Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joe. And yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. Um... So yeah, this show obviously, like I say, is is a show that we promised the people last week because all the other boxing podcasts have decided to take a break. So in that time, you know, those people that just live, eat, sleep, drink boxing, they need something to get them through that little period, I suppose, between Christmas and New Year, that little period where things are a little bit dead, I suppose. Things, you know, some things are not open, some things are, you know, some people are off work, things like that. So it's just one of these little shows that we're going to do here it's going to be bite size it's not going to be nothing big we're not going to be doing too much rambling but we said we'd give you another show and that's what we're going to do there's going to be two interviews as per usual the show may be a little bit different than uh, than normal um yeah we're going to be speaking to josh kelly that's a really good interview um there was a little bit of a sound issue with it. I've tried my best to tweak it up and fix it. It's a really good interview, but I'm going to put that on. Uh, that's going to be the last interview of the show. That's going to close out the show, so to speak. Uh, the reason for that simply because the sound. But he's a very good interview. You can, you know, just give it a go, and you can you can hear everything he says. But there was a little bit of an echo problem, so I apologise for that. Also, the first guest will be Ishe Smith, the former 154-pound world champion. He'll be joining us. So there's not really much to talk about. I mean, we did knock out of the year last week. We did fighter of the year. We did our pound for pound list. So this week we sent a a tweet out on Twitter, basically asking for you know the the listeners and our followers and stuff like that for their opinions on what great fights could be made in 2018 which big fights are you looking forward to so we got a few replies and really we're just going to divide up the show we're going to we're going to do some of those in part 1 and then we're going to do the other the other the other ones in part 2 so it's just going to be really pretty much talking about fights that may happen in 2018 mega fights that we all want to see and myself and I as may jump in with with one or two of our own so um yeah, let's get started with the list. So basically, I put this tweet out on Twitter. As um, we've had a few, we've had a few replies. We've had a few decent, um, you know, suggestions here. So we've got one, well, quite a few actually, sent in by Sean Brown. That's at s brown two pt zero. Um, he sent in Usyk versus Gassiev. Now, obviously, both guys are are in the World Boxing Super Series tournament in the cruiserweight division. Um, you know the that tournament itself has been has been amazing. Um, for me, though, I mean, Gassiev's obviously got the fight coming up with Dortikos. I think he, I don't think he wins that fight. I think Dortikos probably beats him, in my honest opinion. Um, and obviously, Usyk's got to take on Maris Bredis. I think that Maris Bredis against Gassiev's probably a better stylistic matchup, in my opinion. Um, you know, the shocking thing about Gassiev, he's only twenty four. 
and that's that's shocking because he looks a lot older. I'm I'm just reading that now, only being 24. But I don't know. I mean, you know, he had a he had a really close fight with Denis Lebedev, one that he won by a split decision, you know, a year ago now. But I don't know. I mean, he's got a decent resume, but I, I don't know. I mean, you you compare it to Usyk, and obviously Usyk's only had the 13 fights, so like half the amount of pro fights. Um, you know the, the more gassy have had, but obviously he's got he's got a good amateur pedigree. Usyk, but I just think that Usyk's probably the man who, who could probably win that fight. And he's a slightly shorter guy, but just with the southpaw, the southpaw stance and the awkwardness and the movement of Usyk, I think Usyk could probably get to uh, to Gassiev. I don't, I'm not sure if he stops him because I think Usyk. Some of his, I think maybe his power is a little bit overrated. I know he's got 11 knockouts from 13 wins, but I don't think he, I don't really think he's a massive puncher. I think that out of the two, Gassiev may have the the bigger bang on him. I'm not, I'm not sure. It's, it's a bit of a toss up, but no, I mean, I think Usyk could probably get to him, and and if not stop him late, then maybe, maybe just outpoint him over the distance. I don't think. I don't know, man. It's a hard, hard fight. And I'm not going to sit here and say I've seen loads of Gassiev. I haven't. But, I mean, Usyk's looking really special. He's my number one guy in that division. But, like I say, I think Dortikos could probably beat Gassiev. We'll have to wait and see. But, um, yeah, I mean, Gassiev against against Breedis, I think that's a great fight. But I think Gassiev would probably win that fight, to be honest. Um, Breedis, I think... If I'm not mistaken, I think out of the four remaining fighters in this in this tournament, I think he's like the biggest underdog. I'm not quite sure on that. I'm just, that's just a bit of a guess. Um, how do you see that one, Hayes? Obviously, it would be a great fight if it, if it was to happen. Usyk and, uh, and and Gassiev. Yeah, I think it would be a very good fight. But like I said, Usyk. I reckon obviously Usyk. We know him uh, by his style of fighting. I reckon Usyk will win the fight. And another another fight that that Sean Brown sent in. Another good fight, you know. He knows what he's what he's talking about here. He sent in a great list: Kovalev versus Paterbiev. This is a fight that I wanted to to happen probably about probably about a year ago. But Paterbiev, you know, he's, he's he had some promoter issues, I think, outside the ring, and he's only kind of just broke onto that to that world level scene, I suppose. Even though you know his first few fights were against really good opponents, he you know he, he didn't take things easy. He really got in there with good fighters straight away, but you know, actually being up in the top ten and all that kind of stuff, he's he's just captured a title now, Baturbiev, and you know, people weren't really impressed with that performance. And I don't want to knock him too much on that, but I don't know, there's 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 two ways to look at this fight. Obviously Kovalev, some people saying he's over the hill. I don't really think so. Baturbiev obviously a big puncher, twelve and 0, 12 knockouts, but you know, they've had some they had some um a couple, I think, a couple of fights in the amateurs. Again, I'm not checking this, but Baturbiev, obviously, I think he beat Kovalev in the amateurs once or twice. So there's that there. But I think it just depends, man. I mean, it depends which Kovalev turns up. I mean, he's only had the two losses, but they were to Andre Ward. So you can't really take too much out of those. You know, it's like when people used to lose to Floyd Mayweather, and suddenly people would say, "Oh, they're not very good." No, they lost to the best fighter in you know in that division, and that's that's what's happened there to Kovalev. Obviously, the first one being very controversial, but I don't know, man. That's that's a that's a brilliant fight. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I really I don't know. He sent in another good fight here. Obviously, Kovalev, the older man, but Baturbiev's not that fresh because he had a really big amateur career as well. So um, 
I don't know. That's a tough fight. There's only two years between them. That's a that's a brilliant fight. Like I say, um, you know, it would be for a couple of belts as well. I'd love to see it happen, Ayers. But yeah, both men can hit hard enough to put the other one out with one shot. Who would you favour in that one, Baturbiev and, and Kovalev? I mean, at this stage, I, I suppose I'd have to say Kovalev. Um, you're right. I have to go with Kovalev as well. I think Kovalev is a very big puncher. He's fought, he's fought for top guys, but I reckon, like I said, with Kovalev's experience, I reckon he'll win the fight. Yeah, I mean, the experience is, it could play a big key. Um, you know, obviously, Kovalev's fully adjusted to the pros, you know, so he should have. And, and Baturbiev, in his last fight, like I say, I watched it against Enrico Colin, and, you know, he, he didn't look that great. And we haven't really seen Kovalev not look good, you know. Kovalev's looked good in every fight, Um Aside from the second one against Andre Ward, and you know he wasn't bad in that fight, but I've already spoke about that. So I don't know. For me, I think Kovalev. I think Kovalev. I think Kovalev would beat him um, at this stage. I mean, I, I really like the look of Baturbiev. I remember watching his first couple of fights when he just turned over and he was just, you know, banging people out in the first round and stuff. So I'm high on him. But you know, that's a that's a brilliant fight. I'd love to see that happen. Sean Brown's also sent in Stevenson versus Jack. Um, Again, this is a fight where I really like the look of Badu Jack, and I criticised him before because he got knocked out, obviously, you know, by a bit of a journeyman. And since then, he's just gone from strength to strength. Obviously, you know, he's just moved up now. He took on Nathan Cleverly, who looked absolutely shot, and he completely battered him, and he looked really good. But, you know, I kind of question, what was Nathan Cleverly doing in there? He was awful, and surely, surely... He must have known that in, in his camp because he just looked so shot worn. It was unreal. And he's obviously retired after that. So I'm not going to jump the gun too much on Badu Jack being the real deal, so to speak, at light heavyweight yet. Because I think Cleverly was, you know, he kind of had one foot out the door a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, he did well to, to pick up a title, Cleverly, to be completely honest. I mean, he, he really did. But, yeah, I think that. Badu Jack blitzed him and, and in style as well. So credit to Badu Jack, but I don't know if he's 110% the real deal yet. We talk about Adonis Stevenson. He's a man who hasn't really wanted to fight a live body for quite a while. And obviously, he, to some extent, must have one foot out the door because, you know, obviously he's getting up in there, you know, in age as well. So it'd be a great fight. And it. It simply comes down to, obviously, Badu Jack would be getting properly tested for the first time at light heavyweight. Obviously, Adonis Stevenson being a southpaw as well. And, you know, his left hand is is absolutely beautiful, straight down the pipe. You know, he's got one of the best uh, left hand left hands in the game today. Simple as that. And, uh, you know, age isn't, isn't a problem with that. You know, he's, he's still got that power. Absolutely. But um, it's just a case of if Badu Jack can take away that left hand, take it out of play. And, you know, beat him on points. I don't think Badu Jack could, could knock... St- I mean, he, he probably could, because let's have it right. Stevenson also got knocked out once upon a time by a bit of a journeyman also. I, I don't want to be too harsh on Darnell Boom, but, you know, it did happen. But that was some moons ago, and so was the Badu Jack loss, I suppose. But I don't know. It just It's a bit of a stern test straight away, but I do want it to happen. But I think Badu Jack's definitely probably... I don't want to say definitely, probably the the more rounded fighter, and I definitely would back him to win. I hope he'd win, but it is a hard, hard fight to pick. But if I had to side, I think I'd probably go with Badu Jack on that one. I has um, what's your thoughts on that? 
Badu Jack, because I reckon Badu Jack has stepped up a big time. Since since that loss he's had on his record first, he's improved as a fighter. We've seen him beat uh, Anthony Durrell, beat cleverly up. But yeah, I'll, I'll give I'll edge it to Badu Jack. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. It, it just simply comes down to you know what what Stevenson's got left against a good fighter. He hasn't really fought one. For, for, for a long time now you know you've got to, you've got to really look on his resume um at a really fresh fighter i mean he hasn't fought an unbeaten fighter he hasn't i'm looking at his resume now he hasn't beaten an unbeaten fighter since his fourth professional fight he beat a guy who was three and oh and he hasn't really i mean you know since he picked up the title obviously he did it against um against Chad Dawson, he looked brilliant there, Chad Dawson hasn't really looked the same since, that was a great win, Chad Dawson was 31-2, and two. then he took on Tavoris Cloud, obviously beat him, Bellew, we know what happened there, Fonfara obviously had two matches with him, Thomas Williams Jr., good win I suppose, but he was really stepping up in level, um, Saki Obika, you know, he didn't get him out of there, Tommy Carpensi, poor defence, I don't know, man. I think I think I probably would favour Badu Jack. You know, just once again, I want to say that there. But no, he's a he's a brilliant southpaw, very very underrated in some ways. Stevenson, the way people talk about him, he is a bit of a I don't want to call him a chicken, but he is a bit of a ducker. Let's be completely honest. And um, yeah, but I mean, f- as a fighter, he's a good fighter, but he just he just doesn't really want a live body in there. And I think that there's a reason for that. I think it's the age factor. Um, Triple G versus Canelo two eyes, and I wanna I'm gonna say this now, and I'm sure I said it before. The first fight was a brilliant fight, as we all know. I thought that I thought that Triple G did enough to win. I think that you agree with that. In the second fight, I've got to be honest. I think Canelo is getting better all the time. I think that Canelo, you know, we've both got Canelo and Triple G in our top three pound for pound lists as we went through last week. But I think Canelo, it pains me to say it, but I think Canelo's going to probably come into this fight a lot, you know, a lot smarter, knowing what to expect and just a, a, a lot better, actually. I think he would have worked on a lot in that fight. And I think that Golovkin, for me, slowed down a little bit. And I say that because, you know, he was on that impressive knockout streak and then. For a couple rounds, he didn't look great against Kell Brook. Then he went in the distance with Danny Jacobs. Then he went in the distance with Canelo. You know what I mean? So it's a little bit harsh, but I think that Canelo might outpoint him this time. And it pains me to say it really does, because I wish the fight happened a couple of years ago, and Golovkin would have definitely beaten him. And I hope I hope Golovkin can pull it off. I really do, because Golovkin's a smart guy as well. But I think the timing's right now for Canelo to beat him, and it's a shame because I love Golovkin, man. He's probably my favourite fighter in in world boxing, and uh, you know, it is what it is. But um, I think Canelo could could do it in the rematch. But I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I agree with you on that at the at the moment, Joey. I reckon like, I thought Golovkin won the fight. The judge, I don't know, I don't know what they're watching in that fight, but I personally think Golovkin. Um, I think Canelo will beat him on points if the rematch happens. Yeah, me too. And we're going to try to whiz through these a little bit quicker. Um, he's also sent in Furman versus Crawford. Um, again, it's a case of what Crawford's going to be like at 147. He was the man at 140, but I don't think the competition was really there. I don't want to take too much away from him. He's excellent, you know. But And again, he's in my top three pound for pound. But um, in fact, I said before that Canelo and Triple G's in our top three... I think Canelo was my fourth and also your fourth, if I remember correctly. So Crawford is in our top three for sure. Um, yeah, Crawford, 
Crawford. It just depends what he's going to be like at 147. Like I say, the competition wasn't wasn't the best at 140. There were some good guys, but there weren't any any Danny Garcias, any any Errol Spences. Um, there wasn't any any Keith Furmans, maybe any Sean Porters. There's big names there. You know, Kel Brook obviously just moved up, but 147's obviously been a brilliant division for years and years. And um, I think that that dependent on what he looks like at the weight, it will. You know, it will tell us everything that we need to know. Um, Keith Furman, I've got to put for now the number one man at one four seven because he's fought the right guys and he's beaten them all. He's still undefeated. He's still a world champion. So for me, he's the the top of the pack at the moment. But if Crawford can, I don't know, man. If he can get a good a good win or two, then I may sway a little bit. But it has to be against proper guys like Furman. You know, I've got to give him so much credit for taking on you know the likes of the likes of Porter, the likes of Garcia. Those were brilliant fights. Those were fifty-fifty fights. Let's be honest, and he came through both of them. So I am really big on Furman. Again, he's been out for a little while. Some people say he's trying to duck Errol Spence. You know, I don't believe he's trying to duck anyone. I think that he's a tough guy. He's you know he's earned his right to be at the at the top of the pile in that division. So for me, right now, I'd have to edge Furman simply because I haven't seen what Crawford's all about. But saying that, Crawford is definitely higher in my pound for pound list than Furman is. So it's one of them ones where I'm not too sure yet. But I'd love to see Errol Spence against Terence Crawford. And I asked, you know, I asked. Um, Spencer Fear on what he thinks would happen in that fight last week, and he said that he believes Crawford would beat Errol Spence. So that's a fight I'd be I'd be more you know up for watching. But yeah, I think Thurman's at the top of the pile until Terence Crawford gets a couple of legit bodies on his resume at one four seven first. What's your thoughts on that one, Ayers? Well, Thurman, he's a very good fighter. We see him just beat Danny Garcia. He's been out there. He's he hasn't fought since the Garcia win. Crawford. Uh, so we saw him at one four one four. He cleared out the division. I want I want to see him fight at one percent one fight, and then I can find out if who wins from that fight. Yeah, you're sitting on the fence. That's all right. Um, like I say, we try to whiz through these a little bit quicker. Lomachenko versus Garcia. I'm guessing that's that's Mikey Garcia. Um, obviously we know the fight's not going to happen. Um, at least for the foreseeable future, anyway. Mikey Garcia's took a fight at 140, um, and obviously Lomachenko's still at 130, and I don't really see him moving up to 140 um, too quickly if he if he even does. Um, it's, it's obviously a tough one. Garcia's big for for well, depends at what weight it's made at as well. You know, he's he's big for a, for a lightweight, I think Garcia. But obviously, he's well, I, I don't know. He's not that big for. Yeah, he is. He is. He's big for a lightweight. He is big for a lightweight. So, you know, he definitely have the size on his side, and obviously that'd be a big advantage to him. A little bit similar to what it was like for Rigondo and Lomachenko the other week. But obviously, Lomachenko's my pound for pound number one. He's the more skillful guy, but. I just can't see the fight happening. I'd probably like Mikey Garcia to do it because I really like Mikey. I think he's extremely underrated, and you know he's not a household name, unfortunately, to the casual fan. But um, it's it's a tough fight. I mean, it would depend what weight it's at. But you know, if if it's if it's at one three five, then I think it's a brilliant, brilliant, almost a fifty fifty fight, maybe sixty forty to Lomachenko, just based on what he's been doing lately. I don't think he'd he'd make Garcia quit, that's for sure. I think Garcia's got a huge, huge heart. And um, if the fight was somehow made at 140, I think that I'd probably favour Garcia 
maybe 60-40 to him. What's your thoughts on that one, Ayers? Garcia, uh, Mikey Garcia and Lomachenko. Depends what well, weight it's at. Well, that's a, that's a very tough fight. Mikey Garcia, we've seen him beating a lot of fighters. Up. We've seen him beat Broner last. He's now he's fine. So he got lip nets. Lomachenko made three, four fights, caught on the stool. Depends what weight it is. Lomachenko, is going to, if he goes up to another weight, I still reckon I'm, I'm going to favour Mikey Garcia in this fight. And coming down to the last couple now that Sean Brown sent in, he sent in Inoue versus Zelani Tete. Um, I think that I'd probably favour Inoue. Inoue is going to be moving up as well. So, um, yeah, that should be interesting. That's a fight that may happen. So, uh, I think I'd probably pick Inoue in that one, Ayers. Inoue or Tete? I'd go with Inoue as well. Rung Vasai versus Kao Yafai. Ooh, that's a tough one. Like I said, not not many people heard of Rungasai before he came in, and he's beating Roman Gonzalez. I'm not, I'm not quite. Um, that's a fifty, another fifty fifty fight. We see who's the better man on the night. That's it. I'd favour Rungasai in that one big. Um, I think he, he he could probably. I think he probably stops the FI, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> I would love to see that fight happen, by the way, because that would be wicked. I mean, if Cal Yafai could pull it off, by the way, and Cal Yafai is a guy that I like, obviously, first, you know, Birmingham-born world champion. He's been on this show before. I like Cal a lot. And if he was to win that fight, then he would really be projected into stardom. He really would. Um, but for me, I think he probably loses. And also, Daigo Higa versus Andrew Selby. Now, you know, this is a fight that, that again, could end up happening very soon. I don't know, it, it just worries me. The, the one thing that worries me about Andrew Selby, and this is a fight that, that I think probably will happen in, in the new year at some point. I mean, um, Daigo Higa is obviously supposed to be fighting in February against, against Fuentes, but it's a fight I think is going to happen very soon. Um... Andrew Selby sometimes in fights I believe can switch off. Sometimes he, you know, he's he's fighting really well, he's doing all the right things, he's listening and sometimes it's like he's his body's in there but his mind's not if you know what I mean. Um Andrew Selby obviously I've said it before he's got he's got he's got brilliant brilliant feet. You know, it'd be good to see him against a puncher like Higa, 14-0-14 knockouts. I think that he could, using his feet, you know, get in and out of range really well. So I think that's a brilliant, brilliant fight. The only thing is, obviously, Higa's established himself at world level. Andrew Selby, I don't know what his chin is honestly like. I mean, he was put down by a guy who... um you know, a guy who wasn't really a big puncher, I don't think, a, a couple fights ago. Certainly wasn't, you know, a world contender or anything like that. So that was a little bit worrying, especially if he's going to be facing a world-class puncher in Higa here. But, um, oh man, it's a brilliant clash of styles, it really is. I mean, like I say, Selby's not a big puncher at all. He's he's a guy that gets in, throws his shots, gets out. He's a brilliant, brilliant fighter, Selby. I love watching him fight. I've said it, you know, numerous times, but... It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a hard, hard fight. I'd love to see... And I'm not going to go against Andrew Selby. I love him to bits, but it's, it's a tough, tough, tough fight, that one. It really is a massive, massive step up. He's fought these you know, these durable fighters, and Higa... That's another thing. Higa, I don't really think that he's he would have fought anybody like Selby. He, Higa's also quite young. He's 22. Selby's obviously the older guy, and, and you know Selby's had a great, great amateur career. So... Oh man, it's a wicked fight. I love that fight. Of all the lists, that's the fight I want to see. 
I love that fight so much. So I really hope it does happen in 2018. Um, it's hard to pick a winner, isn't it? I mean, you can't you can't take nothing away from Higa. He's knocked everybody out that he's fought. But Andrew Selby's a he's a he's a different kettle of fish in some ways because he brings that that awkward style. You know, he's very unconventional. He's he's very uh, hard to hit. You know, he's he's got the great feet, as I've mentioned. He's he throws shots from all sorts of angles. You know, he reminds me of like. I don't know, like a special throwback fighter from 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 years and years ago, maybe the forties, something like that. He's he's got that style about him, Andrew Selby. So for me, oh, I've got to sit on the fence. I've got to, I don't like to do it, but I've got to do it. But I hope the fight happens. Um, you know, first and foremost, um, I as I don't think you've seen much of Higa, have you? I'm not having, unfortunately. No worries, no worries. All right, cool, cool, cool. Right, that is all the the talking or the rambling there's been no reviewing of course because there hasn't been any fights on and uh just before we wrap up part one there's one last thing to do that of course is to welcome guest number one ladies and gentlemen please welcome the former ibf junior middleweight champion of the world mr ishay smith ishay welcome to the show Oh, thanks for having me on. Thanks it's, for having me. It's my pleasure, sir. It's my pleasure. So, Isha, if we just um, if we just get back in my uh, in my virtual time machine just for a second here, after obviously turning pro in 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 two thousand in the millennium, you had many good fights with many good fighters. To be honest, Alfonso Gomez, Sam Gar, uh, Randall Bailey. You took on David Estrada. You took on um, Ahmed Kador. Took both of their O's as well. You fought Sergio Mora. Fought Danny Jacobs, to name a few. One thing that, that that is pretty clear to see. One thing that we all know for sure is that you never had things easy. You really had to work hard for what you've got. And I'm going to go now to a date that. I believe you'll never forget for the rest of your life, February the 23rd, 2013. Walk us through that night, Ishe, and what it was like to achieve what every boxer sets out to achieve. Man, that was, uh, yeah, I compared it back then, and even to this day, it's almost like having, uh, watching your fiance, girlfriend, or wife uh, give birth uh, to your child. It was, uh, it was a great experience. Uh, it was one of the greatest days of my life. Uh, you know, everything had just, you know, come to fruition. And, uh, man, it just was a wonderful time uh, to finally achieve my, my dreams after being in the game for 13 years. So it was just great, man. Uh, it, it's no better feeling in the world. It's a day I definitely cherish for the rest of, rest of my life. And Vegas giving me my own uh, day. Uh, February 23rd is uh, forever known as Ishe Smith's Day. So uh, my city doing that for me was uh, was great. Excellent, man. Excellent. I remember we actually had Cornelius Bundridge on the show before. I think we spoke about that fight, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, like I say, you could you could clearly see what it meant to you straight after the, uh, you know, after the, the decision was announced. I mean, you know, you, you went straight on your knees and, you know, you were tearful. It's, it's one of my favorite, and I'm not just saying this because you're here, it's one of my favorite celebrations with emotion, what I've ever seen somebody have after a win. So, um, yeah, brilliant stuff to see what it meant to you there. And obviously since then, you know, you fought the likes of Carlos Molina, another man we've had on this show. We, we've, you've also fought Eris Landy Lara, um, Vanez Mortarosian, and most recently Julian J-Rock Williams, a fight that you, you lost, but the scorecards were a little bit surprising for me. What did you make of that that fight there, Ishe? Oh, you know, a lot of people, um, Richard Sands and, and Pundit, um, 
you know, they had the fight way closer. Uh, I haven't watched the the, ver- the version on TV yet. I thought it was close. I mean, to you know, to to put on a performance like that, seventeen years into my career, to fight a, a young, hungry guy that many people before, you know, he fought Charlo and had the setback. Many people predicted, uh, saying that he was going to be the next world champion. A lot of people had him thought he was going to beat the Charlo, and he only has one loss. So to go in there and push a guy like that to the brink and. and to be 39 and, uh, you know, and fight the way I fought. I showed I have a lot in the tank. I was very disappointed in the scores, though. I mean, 9-1 to one and 8-2 to two is almost laughable. Um, it's a shame that the judging has gotten so bad, and even 7-3 to three is, is somewhat questionable. But, um, you know, it's bad. You know, I think we need younger judges. I think we need fresher Judges, I mean, some of these judges were judging before I even turned professional, and I've been in this game 17 years. They're still the same judges uh, walking around here. So, uh, like I said, it's just real unfortunate. We put a lot of uh, time and effort into our careers. We train hard. We leave our families. Sometimes it's two months. Sometimes it's three months. And the least you want is a fair and proper decision. You know, win, lose, or draw. You know, you want to feel like it was fair, but – when you perform so well and you have a judge score to fight nine to one, uh, that's very disappointing. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, I I tried to. They didn't show it over here on TV. They I had to I had to go on the internet and find a, you know a stream of it. And I tuned in from about round six onwards, and I, or maybe about round five, like halfway through the fight, and I. I I gave you more than two rounds in the second half of the fight. I haven't even seen the first few rounds, so yeah, it seemed like the judges were a little bit a little bit off the ball um, in that fight. And also, you know, I actually thought, and I, I mean this not in a rude way at all, but obviously it was a Mayweather card. I thought that if there was going to be anyone getting a little bit of love from the judges, it would probably be you over over him. So it was really wrong, in my opinion. I, you know, and I I don't even want the love. Uh from it being my promoter's card, I just want a fair shot either his way or my way. You know, if I, if whoever's the better man, you know, if I, you know, I'm a huge, you guys call it soccer, uh, football. I call it in the States, we call it soccer. I'm a huge, you know, football fan. And, you know, it's whoever's the best on the pitch that day, you know, wins. If I'm better, no matter the age, if I'm better than him the night of the fight, I, I deserve to be awarded the decision. I thought I was better. I thought I landed the cleaner punches. I thought I had him hurt a couple of times. So to just give me one round is just, like I said, very disappointing. Yeah, I have to agree. And um, Isha, obviously, you know, um, you know, this this year as a whole has been a, a pretty bad. Well pretty really a bit of an understatement a real bad year for you not just obviously inside the ring but outside the ring um i mean that situation there i just i just really wanted to touch on it just for those that may not know uh that may not know what has happened um is it is it been the the, the toughest year of your life or, or your career cliche this year <sighs> I've had some, you know, I I call my career, it's been full of up and downs, roller coaster. It's been like a roller coaster ride. Um, You know, kind of when you go up and, you know, you anticipate the going down, but it's just, it's like I was just going down here and it never came up. Like the ride just never ended. This was definitely um, 
inside and outside of the ring. One of the toughest years of my life, uh, dealing with the death uh, so close to my family, uh, so close to my kids, so close to me, and, you know, the longevity of not being able to fight, you know, being out 14 months for absolutely, you know, no reason to be out that long. Uh, that was very tough. And just trying to maintain financial obligations, you know, trying to keep my kids' health insurance paid and, uh, you know, stuff like that. That's just been a very, it's been a very challenging year. And I don't think people realize uh, how challenging that is. You know, it's easier to look on the outside and, 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 you know, say things, but it's harder when you live that life. It's easier just to tell a fighter, go get a job. Most of fighters don't have an education. They don't know where to get a job or, or what to do. And then when you, all you want to do is fight, you know, it's tough when you're not fighting. So it's definitely been a challenging year. I, I thought um, definitely, you know, a bit, bit of a disappointment year, even though I, I was one of my better fights. It was one of my, you know, it was a great fight. And, uh, you know, the scorecards didn't reflect how good the fight fight was. But, you know, it was a, still a disappointing year for me. You know, I mean, I only fought once this year. So, to me, it was a disappointment. Yeah, I, I agree with you there about, you know, the, the judges' scorecards not really reflecting how good the fight was. But just to, just to backtrack a little bit there, and, and for those, like I say, that may not know, what has happened this year if, if you can correct me if i'm wrong at any point in this i just want to uh let the listeners know obviously your ex-wife and, and mother to your three children was um was targeted at random as she was sitting outside a shopping mall obviously she she was shot in the back of the head with a shotgun from close range in a completely surprise uh a complete surprise attack am i right with all that Ishe? yeah that is uh absolutely correct um you know, uh, the trial's supposed to start, I think, early part, maybe January or February. Uh, it was completely random. Uh, we we didn't know who the guy was or, or anything. Or She didn't even know the guy. She didn't even see him coming, and he completely just snuck up behind her and, and shot her in the head. So it's just been one of, you know, that couple with being inactive. Uh, it just was just, a, just an awful, you know, just an awful year, and, I dealt with a lot of things in my career, you know, a, a lot, but this definitely was very challenging. Uh, times I didn't want to box no more times. I, you know, I didn't even know whether, you know, whether I was coming or going. So it was, uh, it's just been one of those years, man. And to cap it off with a, a great fight like that was, you know, it was great, but still disappointing. And the, like I said, the judges and just a disappointment, disappointing year altogether you know for no fighter wants to be off 14 months especially one that wants to make another run but you know whether I, I achieve that second title or not i still want to be able to make a run at it yeah and um one thing i want to i want to bring up as well Ishe, um something that that um while you're here i think that i should say to you um obviously you know you you posted a letter on on Twitter that I've seen is is your post it's your pinned tweet a really uh you know a really sad thing that that one of your daughters wrote which I read it and after about two lines I start crying it's a really emotional letter I just really wanted to say um you know that's a 
obviously a very personal thing, but a really, really sad thing. I just really wanted to say, like, you know, I wish you the best along with your daughters, of course, through this, through this awful situation. But surely after something like that, Isha, and I'm not trying to make excuses for you, but how can you go into a, a big fight against Julian Williams with your mind in the right place just months after something like that? You know, it it was uh it's just my strength over the years, man. It's just been I, I've been part of some great camps where I was, you know, chief chief sparring partner, um or one of the top sparring guys, you know, meet the t- times I've spent talking to Diego Corrales in camp or the times I've, you know, chatted with Shane Mosley and being his chief sparring partner or Floyd or you know, Vernon Forrest, you know, those guys uh, really just taught me how to press forward and, and, and always never take the game for granted. So it was kind of just those those talks that I reminisced about during this camp. And uh, I had a lot of soul searching to do this camp and find out, you know, when, when I had been off so long and realizing I was 39 years old, I'm like, man, how much do I got left in this tank? You know, how much – that's all I thought about this camp was how much how, challenge yourself, how much you got left, you know, and I watched, you know, Roger Federer win another major, you know, a major this year in tennis and he's old and nobody thought he would, you know, be able to do that again. So I had some inspirations uh, to look up to, you know, uh, look up to in camp, but I also had to challenge myself and reminisce about me coming up with um, some great fighters, and uh, I was able to really put my mind and body and spirit into my training, and, you know, it was some of the, you know, one of the best camps I had. I was in great shape, and, you know, one of my better fights at that 39 is I've had so many good fights over the years. It's kind of hard to say if it was my best. I had people tell me it was the best they seen me offensively, but, you know, it's just uh, it was one of my better fights, and to do that 17 years, into this game and you know i was proud of that just not as a sport yeah yeah I, I i agree with that every single word you said there you mentioned there about sparring ishe one of the questions that i did want to ask you is who would you say is the best fighter that you've ever shared a ring with you know it can be in a fight it can be sparring it can be in the pros in the amateurs who's the best guy you shared a ring with oh man the some of the you know the the some of the hardest sparring that I've had throughout my career, you know, I would say um, number one would probably have to be uh, Floyd. Uh, and that's just not because I, 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 he's my promoter. He works with that. has nothing to do with it. I'm taking all that out of the equation because I sparred him even before any of that even happened. So, But he just makes you think so much. It's like when I see him fight people, and they, you know, they have a good round. And then, like, I, I re- reflect on the Shane Mosley, how he had, the, like, the good second round. And he hurt Floyd, and after that, he just kind of disappeared, you know, for the rest of the fight. So Floyd just makes you think so much. that You spend so much time thinking, you kind of forget what you're doing in there. And uh, he he's so talented with trying, with figuring you out and making you think. He's like a master chess chess player so it's, it's, it's a, a tad bit confusing that's why you see guys confused their their punch output isn't as high when they fight him because he he's so good at, at just having to, to take away what you do best and make you think about finding a plan b and c and, and before you know it the fight is over vernon forrest too is um 
very tough. Uh, he had a very good jab, and he was he was strong, and he he was a tough uh, sparring partner. Shane was tough. Uh, Vargas was uh, he was a, he was a tough customer because I, I helped him get ready for Delaware. He was a tough tough sparring partner. Uh, I've had some good ones over the years, man. Those guys were were all good, and they, each camp taught me a little bit uh, a little bit more uh, than. Uh, you know, got me prepared to this stage that I'm at today, you know, so I, I take nothing for granted. But if I had to pick one as being the toughest, I, I would definitely have to say Floyd. And obviously, as you mentioned there, you know, you've been you, you've been signed with Floyd for a while now. When did you first sign with Floyd? Which year was that? Because you've been with him one of the longest, right? Uh, 2012, I think, was my first fight with them. And I think I signed shortly after my first fight. Okay, and obviously, you know, it's it's been noted that Floyd likes to buy his fighters these expensive gifts. I think we've had Javante Davis on saying that I think maybe Floyd bought him a truck or something. The same thing happened with Ashley Fiafane. Did he buy you anything, any good gifts? Uh, he, after I won the world title, he bought me a nice watch. Um, and after, oh, and I, he bought me a nice watch and a car. So, you know, those are great gifts uh obviously for winning the world title and becoming the first fighter in las vegas to do that and at las vegas nevada and nevada to ever do that and the first fight first world champion the mayweather promotion so those are two great gifts that i hold dear to my heart yeah of course of course and the last question on on you know the past so to speak who would you say out of all the people that you've that you've shared the ring with also hit the hardest oh man <laughs> that's tough because I've only been down once in my career and that was with Barnes. Um, uh, you know, I've been down, I went down twice in that fight. I thought the first knockdown was a little tricky. I didn't think I was a little bit more balanced. The second down was, knockdown was a legit knockdown. Uh, but I don't know if he hits the hardest. I don't know if that was more so of me. Uh, coming in and getting caught with a good counterpunch. Um, you know, I've been in there with some strong guys, man. And if I if I had to pick one pound for pound, that was probably the strongest puncher out of all of them. Will will probably have been Randall Bailey, man. He was he was strong, and then I, I fought him with only thirteen fights, and he was known. Uh, you know, he was at, he was like twenty seven and maybe one or two with like twenty four knockouts. He had like more knockouts than I had fights, so. If I had to pick one as being powerful, I'm the best one I've been in there with through the years. It would have to be him. He was he was strong, man. Yeah, he was he was 27 and three when he fought you with 26 Which, knockouts. Right, <laughs> he was strong, man. <laughs> yeah, um, and also, obviously, as I said, you know, you've had a few hiccups this year, to say the least. Did you manage to have a decent Christmas in the end? By the way, yeah, you know, God is good, man. I. I always make do with what we have uh you know never ashamed of what i don't have and always make do with what i i do have and my kids and, and myself had a, a a decent and a, a great christmas and, and that's what it's all about you know i i do for them and i fight for them and and, and you know it was a great christmas i, I i'm blessed man 
brilliant, man. I'm happy to hear that. Back on to a more positive note, of course. Um, you know, your record right now, 29 and 9. You've never been stopped. Your age, 39, as you said, coming off a good performance. But you feel like, you know, you feel like you've got at least one big night left in you, to say the least. Because, like I said, that last performance was was really good, as I've said a few times now. Um you like the idea of fighting in the UK, you've you've said recently. Would you be looking at fighting at 154 like usual, or would you consider moving up to 160, Ishe? Uh I would either or. I, you know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm uh, obviously I'm open to fighting at 160 uh, in the UK if the fight is big enough, and I'm open to fighting. I'm definitely open to fighting at 154. I, I know you guys have some great champions there. Uh, there was a small discussion uh, about me possibly fighting Kell Brook. Uh, uh, I don't know what happened. I think they went a different route, but they we, they did. Uh, Eddie Hearn did have a conversation with my team about it when we got to a number, and you know I think they just went a different route. Uh, that's a you know fight I would be interested in. Any 154 pound fight I would definitely come over for. It's not even about money, you know. It's just about being able to say I did it. You know I've been in the game 17 years and I've never fought in the UK and the UK has some great fans. Uh, they're very great boxing histor- you know historians and Anthony Joshua is selling selling out 90 thousand seat arenas i don't even think we can do that here in the states you gotta you know they really support their own and i would just love to be able to fight say i fought a one time in front of the british fans before my career is over and uh no matter who it is but definitely 154 i know you got Liam smith there you got some good fighters there so i would definitely it's 154 or 160 or something i would definitely be interested in yeah, those are the two names I was going to throw at you. Obviously, Kel Brook moving up to 154. He's fighting um, a guy called Sergei Rabchenko, who I don't know too much about, if I'm being honest. Um, and the other name, obviously, there, Liam Smith. I think that would be good. Obviously, at the moment, he's highly ranked with a WBO. He's the number one mandatory for Saddam Ali. But that would be good, Smith versus Smith. And not only that, but obviously, his promoter, Frank Warren's recently worked with Floyd himself for the Javante Davis first defense. So, so that is a fight that I believe could end up happening. Yeah, right. Uh, like I said, uh, he's a he's a great fighter. Uh, it's a lot, so many good fighters over in, in um, the UK, man. I mean, it's just so many. The 168 fighters, the 68 pound fighters, are, are you guys are stacked with those over there. And then obviously, I think the best heavy heavyweight in the world, and Anthony Joshua. You know, it's it's a lot of good fighters over there, but I, I would definitely love to come there and fight them. Uh, like I said, the fans and just the atmosphere is something I want to experience before you know I'm I'm done. Yeah, and I mean at 160, we haven't really got loads there. I mean, obviously we got Billy Joe. He looked really good the other night against Lemieux. But aside from him, when you look down the list, we haven't really got much at 160, which is probably better for you to be at 154 anyway, where you're more comfortable, right. I'd guess. But no, for me, I like the Liam Smith fight. I just like the Smith versus Smith slogan, if you like. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Is that is that a fight that you'd fancy, Ishe? Is that a fight that that could potentially be next for you? If so, when would you be ready for that fight and and all the others? I mean, I mean, if they called me and they made an offer today, I will fight him next. You know, I'm I'm from the old school, man. Uh, and old school old school fighters don't care about losses. Old school fighters just care about going out there and performing. 
And um, some of my losses, I definitely feel, you know, I, I had better nights. Uh, Eric, Lars, just a talented, gifted fighter. And he's going to do, he cruised to victory against me. And, you know, no heart, no shame in losing that. You know, Danny Jacobs was a close competitive fight. He just edged me out on the scorecards. But, you know, Fernando Guerrero and, and Julian Williams, you know, the Sergio Moore fight, you know, I've, I've probably got about three or four losses that are, are controversial, you can say, either way. So um, if if they call me, I will go over there in a heartbeat, you know, to make that fight happen. I will go over there next. So uh, I know he's got the number one. He's number one to Stam Ali. So he's probably waiting on that. But um, definitely in the future, if, if they call me for that fight, I will go in a heartbeat. And who would you like out of all those UK names? Who's who's the one who, you know, you look at out of the out of the bunch of them and say that's the one I prefer out of all of them? Uh, the ideal one that I think is ideal that is probably easier to make is, is probably Kel Brook because it's ideal. Uh, he's having his first fight there, and if he comes out victorious in that fight, I think it's ideal that it can happen after his next fight. Now, um, I think the Liam Smith fight would be a little bit tougher because he's the number one contender. He's, you know, he's got his title shot. He's in line for a title shot. So I, that's very, you know, he's probably going to go after that, which I wouldn't blame him. But the ideal situation, obviously, is uh, definitely, um, you know, Kell Brook. Now, if I was to go up in 160, then, of course, you want to fight one of the best middleweights in the world, which is Billy Joe. I mean, I know he has nothing to really gain by fighting me, but if I was at 160 and I was moving up to 160, why wouldn't I want to fight the best? He's one of the best in the world, and I want to fight the best. I already went up and fought Danny Jacobs. I went up and fought Fernando Guerrero. If I was going to go up, I'm not going to go up just to fight anybody. I would want to fight the best in the world. He's one of the best. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, obviously, like you say, Kell Brook being the primary guy, he's obviously fighting um, in March. But I, I reckon he'll probably be out again sometime, maybe July, which would be you know summertime over here. And perhaps you know there's 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 a little stadium, an outdoor arena, the same place where he fought Errol Spence. I mean, I know that they're talking about going back there. That's like where he seems to fight or wants to to be fighting in the near future. I think maybe you and him July time. That'd be is that a good kind of time frame for you? Oh yeah, I would love to you know go over there. Eddie Hearn is a a top notch promoter. And, uh, you know, he gets gets his guys opportunities and, you know, he's doing things in the States now. And I even spoke to him about it on Twitter, like, keep me in mind. You know, that's a fight I'll definitely, I'll definitely be interested in uh, early part or, you know, middle of next year, summertime. That'll be a, a, a great fight. Kell Brook is a, a tremendous fighter, a, a former champion. And, you know, his heart is very big to go up and, and you know, fight. Triple G, and then come back down and fight one of the best welterweight, young welterweights in the world today. I mean, you can't uh, can't knock what he's doing, man. My, my hats always go up. Tip my hat to him. And coming down to the last couple of questions now, Isha, I like to ask this question to everybody that we speak to from overseas. Um, who would you say? I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Who would you say is your favorite UK fighter from any era? It can be somebody still boxing. It can be somebody that retired a hundred years ago. Any era. It was, uh, you know, it, the, my favorite ones 
to that I used to like to watch that was just great uh, to watch was Prince, you know, Nassim. He was, uh, I used to love watching him fight, man. And uh, it's just his ring, entra- his ring interests, his, uh, his swagger, the way he carried himself, uh, the way he went out there and performed and fought with his hands down. And, you know, he was just, he was special, man. He was, I used to love watching him fight. And the one that um, was most accomplished that just went out and just got the job done, I would say, was Joe Kozak. He he was just technical, just did everything right, right by the book. He was able to get the job done every time out. Yeah, I agree with both of those. I mean, Prince Prince Nassim's the most popular answer when I asked that question. Everybody loved the Prince, but um, yeah, brilliant. Two two good two good fighters there. And um, also, is there any fights that you're looking forward to next year as a fan kind of point of view? For me, one of the fights I really hope happens would be one that I would love to watch: Badu Jack against Adonis Stevenson. I love that fight. Yeah, that uh, fight is made that is one I'm I'm looking forward to. Obviously, you know, I'm a little bit biased. Badu Jack is like a younger brother to me, so... I'm biased as I well. Badu Jack, Badu Jack yeah. beats him. Yeah, I, I, you know, so I'm, bi- I'm biased, so people... I, of course, I'm pulling for my guy. It's some good fights on the horizon. I, I'm a, I'm one of the ones that's not calling for um, Wilder and Joshua yet, because... I don't see a purpose in it. I, I think Joshua has accomplished a little bit more at this stage. And then they're the two best heavyweights in the world. So if they beat up each other or Joshua beats him, who's next? You know, so I, I think Joshua's a superstar in the sport. And, you know, he doesn't need to feel pressure or be forced to fight anyone. You know, he's more established, more known. Uh, he has a bigger name. And it should be every that fight should happen on his terms when he's ready and when he's comfortable. That that's my opinion on that on that fight. You know, uh, I think uh, Joshua's bar now one of the best heavyweights to go. He's just the heavyweight division as a whole isn't as strong as it used to be in the past. And you got two great heavyweights, but I think one's greater, so he shouldn't be fifty fifty demands and all of that. Or, you know, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take none of that. And like I said, uh, I think that needs to marinate for a while. They, By far, there's no one closer to those two, you know, Joshua and Walter. So why are they going to rush greatness, let it build up, let it, let it marinate, and then maybe 2019 will be a good op- good place to have it, you know. But, uh, you know, I'm definitely excited for Adonis, and, uh, you know, that's a, that's a really good fight. Adonis and Badu Jack, if that fight is able to come off, you know, that's one of the ones I'm looking forward to the most as well. And the last thing I want to ask you, Ishe, have you got any kind of message at all to your UK fans, the people over here that are listening to you that, that of course, you know, have been following you for years and years? Oh, I just want to say uh, thank you guys for the support. You know, it's been, uh, I know most of the UK fans know me from the contender, and uh, my contender stable mates went. And, you know, and they had a show over there back in the day and they fought, uh, and he was basically the contender fighters against UK fighters. So, and, um, I wasn't a part of that, but I'm definitely want to make it over there and fight in front of them, you know, in the near future, there's some lovely fans and, you know, before I'm done with this sport, I, w- I would love to go over there. So I just want to thank them for the support throughout the years. I have a couple of fans that 
been following my career for a long time that I've met through Facebook, uh, you know, and Instagram. And, you know, there's some very honest and, and, and great fans and they, they protect their own. So I will say you can't say nothing about one of their own fighters. So they're passionate fans and I, I love it. And I definitely want to fight there in the near future. Absolutely. We'd welcome you here with open arms. Ishe, listen, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for your time. I hope that you and your family have a wonderful new year and we will speak again sometime in the new year. Okay, thank you. Happy new year to you as well. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part is usually the preview part, but there's nothing to preview. If there's nothing to preview, we usually go to eyes with the latest news, but there's no news. There's no news at all. Um... So what we're going to do again, like I said, we're going to just speak about a couple of other fights that have been sent in. We've been sent in a couple of fights from a regular listener. This is Danny at Valley Legend on Twitter. He has sent in Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua. Again, I spoke about this last week with Spencer Fearon. Um, he favoured Joshua. I'm sure he favoured Joshua. Yeah, yeah, I think he did. Um, I mean... <laughs> Again, guys, it's a, it's a case of who lands first in that fight. Isn't it? I mean, I think Joshua's the more oof, the more athletic of the two, the more the more well-rounded of the two, but he doesn't have the the punch that Wilder's got in terms of a one-punch knockout. Even though you know Joshua can can hit you with a combination and put you out, but I think that the the concussive shots would be coming from Wilder. But it's a, definitely a fight that doesn't go the distance. Um, I'd have to favour Joshua just simply because. I think Wilder is a little bit easier to hit. I think he's, you don't think his defense is as good as Joshua's, and it's going to just be fighting fire with fire that fight. No one's going to be taking a backward step, I don't think. I think they're both going to meet in the middle because I don't really think that either guy is the, you know, the, the, the best technically sound heavyweight boxer. They don't really you know hit and not get hit and box and move. They don't really do that. So I think it's definitely a fight that doesn't go the distance, but I'd probably have to side with Joshua, but I wouldn't be surprised one bit if it was Wilder. How do you see that one, Ayers? Joshua Wilder is whoever lands first, that's what I can tell you. But Who would you look, pick to win? Looking at Joshua's record and Wilder's record, yeah, um, I'm going to flav- uh, favour Joshua in this fight. Yeah. And also, we've been sent in Triple G against Billy Joe Saunders. Um, what's your take on that one, Ayers, before I give my opinion? Um, Triple G. Well, he, he for me, he's pound for pound number one. But don't like Billy Joe because a lot of people said him. You like, said Lomachenko last week. Oh, sorry. Um, well, okay. My, obviously, my number one was Lomachenko, and then uh, then Triple G. Now, obviously, if you look at Triple G's record, he's got a marvelous record. He's four number one fighters. Billy Joe in his last performance, the way he beat David Lumi was unbelievable. Right. If I'm going to go with this win, I'm, I'll tell you one thing. I want to go with the underdog. Because we saw Klitschko, do, uh, we saw Tyson Fury do it to Vladimir Klitschko. And I reckon uh, Billy Joe Saunders can trouble with um, Triple G in this fight. Wow. Well, that's a big call. Um, you know, what a show to, to, to make a big call like that on, the, the end of the year show. Um, you know, oh, oh, I've got a favour, Triple G. Um, I love him to bits, but... <laughs> The, the pride side of me gets in the way. Like, I want the Brit to always win, of course. So, it's it's hard for me to pick a winner, but I think I'd probably side with Golovkin. Um, I mean, if Billy Joe can fight like he did the other night, then obviously it makes for a really, really great and, and hard-to-pick matchup. But 
I think Golovkin, obviously, with the better resume, he's done it time and time again, sensational amateur career. I think Billy Joe, you know, obviously hasn't fought anybody like Golovkin. And to some extent, Golovkin hasn't really fought somebody who's, you know, a southpaw and who can move and who's got great feet like Billy Joe. Billy Joe's not going to stand there and trade with him. He's going to just get in there. He's got a good jab, so is Triple Gito. He's going to get in there and, you know, land his shots and get out and be very smart. So he hasn't really had that fight. And especially this late on in his career where I, I really think he's slowing down a little bit. It could be a banana skin. But I'd have to side with Triple G at the moment, for sure. Um, but yeah, great fight once again. Also, Lomachenko versus Linares. I think that's a nightmare fight for Linares, to be honest. Um, obviously, it would have to be at 135. Linares, you know, he holds a belt there. Lomachenko could, could perhaps move up and, and take that belt. Both guys have got brilliant feet, and I've been talking about that a lot with these last couple of fights. You know, these fighters have got great feet. Linares is brilliant. You know, he's he's an excellent fighter. He definitely poses a few problems to Lomachenko. You know, he's he's very unpredictable, Linares himself. Um, but I just think that Lomachenko, even though he's had those those many, many, many amateur fights, he is the fresher of the two. He's the younger guy, and I think that youth could, could play a big part in that. Um... I just think I think Lomachenko looks unstoppable at the moment, doesn't he? So it'd be a brilliant, brilliant fight, and that's that's you know not many people are talking about that fight. So that's a good shout there from Danny. Um, yeah, I've got we've got to get your winner on that. I as Lomachenko Linares one thirty five. I'm gonna go with Lomachenko. Yeah. Um, Yard versus Buglioni again. This is a fight that I asked Spencer Fear on last week. He practically laughed at me and said that Yard would absolutely smash Buglioni. I am not answering it because I like both guys and I just don't want them to fight because <laughs> I really like them both. They're, they're two of the nicest guys in boxing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've said it before, though. You know, Yard looks the absolute part. He looks the real deal. He looks like a future world champion. He looks like, you know, a, a potential cash cow. He looks a million dollars, but he hasn't really got the resume. And that's all I'm saying. He hasn't really got the resume. Don't get me wrong. I've said it a million times. You know, he's knocked out these people in quicker time than these ex-world champions have and all the rest of it. And, you know, I really like Yard, of course. But he hasn't really got the res- the resume that Buglioni's got. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not saying Buglioni's got a wicked resume either. He's had some life and death fights with guys that are not that great. But he's seasoned. He's, 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 he's faced adversities. Yard's had everything his own way. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I, I don't know. You, you know, if, if Yard really is the real deal, then I think he could stop Buglioni. But if he, you know, if, if he gets hit on the chin himself, I think Buglioni can crack. And if he gets pulled into deep waters, who would you favour? Buglioni's been there many times and come out, you know, on top. So, I don't know. But Yard is obviously the, the, the you know, the fresher guy, um... You know he's a he's a natural light heavyweight, whereas Buglioni's moved up there, and I, I don't know, I don't know. I, f- I think I'd probably just shade like fifty-one forty-nine in favour of Yard, maybe. That's all. That's all I can say. But um, yeah, I mean it's it's a brilliant it's a brilliant fight. I just hope it doesn't get made. Ayaz Yard versus Buglioni. Uh, I'm gonna go with Yard and Yard by knockout. What about? 
Terence Crawford versus Mikey Garcia. Obviously, Crawford moving up to 147. Garcia just moved to 140 now to fight for for a belt against Lipinets. Um That's a brilliant fight, by the way. Um, that's a very tough fight. But um, uh, oh, this one's just... I'm going to have to sit on the fence once again because I can't choose a winner in this fight. Um, yeah, that's that's a cracking fight there. Garcia, I, I'd love to see that fight. That's one of the best fights that can be made. Obviously, it would have to be at 140. I don't think Garcia is going to go up to 147 against Crawford. I think that would be suicidal. Um, that's a that's a real pick there. As I've said, Garcia's a really, 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 really good fighter. And he's got a cracking resume. So is Terence Crawford. But yeah, that's that's a really, 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 really good fight. Um, real 50-50. Also, this one. There's, there's a couple sent in here from at happy underscore valiant. Um, who, if I'm not mistaken, is running for autism. So shout out to everybody pushing for autism. Um, they've put where to start preferred the world boxing super series finals would be Usyk Gassiev and Groves Smith obviously Usyk and Gassiev may potentially happen we we were talking about that earlier um Groves with Smith that may potentially happen um obviously we we, we broke down the Usyk and Gassiev fight eyes but Groves and Smith who wins that for you Callum Smith George Groves Callum Smith George Groves ooh that's I'm gonna go with Groves on points. Oh man, that's you know that's a that's a good fight. I mean, oh, do you know what? I'd have gone with Callum Smith before Groves' last performance, and actually before both of their last performances. Smith didn't look great against Skogland, and Groves looked really good against Cox. But before that, I'd have probably said Callum Smith. So it's it's a it's a fifty fifty fight, isn't it? I mean, I think my opinion will change after their next two fights. I mean, there's obviously it's no given in both of their fights. Um, Callum Smith's taking on Bramer, ex world champion, and um, Groves is putting his belt on the line against against Chris Eubank Jr. So really, really hard fights to to come through. But I think that if if Groves does a job on Eubank Jr., then I'd probably favour Groves. But it's no given. A lot of people picking Eubank Jr. Um, and like I say, Callum Smith, I think he will beat Bramer, but the style that he does it in, the way he looks, that may play a part in who I think will win that fight, which could potentially be in the final. Um, but right now, I'd probably favour Callum Smith. Uh, you know, he hasn't looked he hasn't looked great of late, let's be honest, but I probably would favour Callum Smith. We've also had here Crawford versus Spence. Um, that's simply a fight that I really, really want to happen at 147. Like I say, um, Spencer Fearon already said last week that Crawford would win that fight. I think, again, depending what he looks like, I think he's got the tools to beat Spence. That's a that's a mega fight there, Ayers. What's your thoughts on that, Crawford-Spence? That's a very tough fight. Um, obviously, we've only seen Crawford fight at 140. I want to see where he fights at 147. Errol Spence is a very, very good fighter. But if I'm going to choose a winner, I'm going to go for Errol Spence. And we've also had a couple that we've actually already had. Kovalev, Baturbiev, we talked about that. Lomachenko-Lenares, we talked about that. Joshua Wilder, we've had that. Inoue Tete as well, we've had that. Um, and Billy Joe and Triple G. So yeah, those those... Those obviously a lot of people, a lot of people that, that, that follow us on Twitter, a lot of people that listen to this show, they know 
boxing okay so we've had a lot of people saying the same kind of things and the reason is because these people know they're boxing these people want to see the same fights these people are hardcore boxing fans so credit to everybody that sent in a fight that we that we spoke about there um just before we close out part two i ask is there another fight out there that you may want to see that nobody's mentioned that we should talk about quickly yes frampton selby Frampton Selby, yeah, wicked shout, wicked shout. All right, you take us away with that, eyes. How do you think that fight plays out? Well, Selby's next fight is most likely going to be um, against Josh Warrington, yeah. And Frampton's next fight, did we win? Most likely, will be fighting Denair. Denair, that's a very tough fight. They both got two tough fights, right? If both of them win, I want to see them, and I want to see Frampton Selby, and I've always wanted to see that fight. I think it was Selby's got. Skills and Frampton's got both skills. I I can't choose a winner, but it'll be a fifty-fifty fight. Um, I again, that's it depends what which Frampton shows up. Lee Selby's a guy, and I said it in last week's show. He doesn't he doesn't really knock people out. He just outpoints them widely, and I can see Selby outpointing um, Frampton. You know, just keeping him on the end of the jab on the back foot. You know, getting in, landing his shots, getting out, kind of thing, and and you know the movement and 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 the change of direction that Selby likes to do. I can see Selby frustrating Frampton, and Frampton's just going to be coming forward, coming forward, coming forward. So, you know, if they get some good judges on that fight, and they're not ones who just award aggression, I think that Selby could get a relatively easy win. And I'm only basing that off of. The you know the, the the recent Frampton performance he didn't look great and Selby didn't look great let's be honest but Selby still wins even though he doesn't look great all the time Selby he still wins wide on points you know what I mean he schools fighters Lee Selby very very clever fighter and for me Selby's got the the size over Frampton obviously Selby's you know a huge featherweight and Carl Frampton not that long ago moved up from super bantam so he's not the biggest featherweight he's he's quite short so i think that's a you know that's a it's a big advantage for Lee Selby and i don't know in the last fight Frampton um Frampton you know he didn't look great in terms of his gas tank so i think Selby could beat Frampton i'd probably favor Selby over Frampton that's what i'm going to say i guess it may be a bit controversial but that's what i'm saying um and I'm just going to maybe throw one last fight in there, if I can, um, just before we wrap up part two. I I haven't thought this through, so I'm just trying to think right now at 100 mile an hour in my head. Jeff Horn, Conor McGregor. No, I'm joking. That'd be a good fight. <laughs> That'd be a good fight, though. Um, Ayers, help me out with this. Who am I going to say? Um, Brooke Conn. Nah, nah, nah. That, that boat's passed a bit now, I think. I think the boat's passed for that one. Um, it's difficult. All right, I'm going to go with one, then. I'm going to go with one. A man that we're going to be speaking to in a couple moments' time. I'm going to give you this one, Ayers. Josh Kelly, Ashley Fearfame. That's a tough fight. Yeah. Tell me more. Well, Josh Kelly, we know him. He's a, he's, very, he's got very good Olympic pedigree. Ashley Fearfame, we know he's in the money team. Um, we've seen him fight Adrian Broner. This, I think, for me, this will be a very, uh, this will be a step up for Josh Kelly, and I want to see how he does. Who would you favour in that one? Remember, also a little fun fact: Ashley Fiafane's got more wins than any active British fighter. I'll probably go with Ashley Fiafane. Okay, that's a hard fight. Um, you know, if Josh Kelly wins that fight, then, and I know that they're searching for that fight, Adam Booth and the team. That'd be a 
brilliant, brilliant fight. In fact, let us know what you guys think about that fight on Twitter at Box Hard Podcast. Ashley Fearfame versus Josh Kelly. Um, and just before we 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 bring in guest number two, which will be Josh Kelly, and ultimately wrap up the show, I just want to just take a moment just to basically thank everybody for for tuning into this podcast once again. Obviously, you know we've been going now for over two years. It's it's been another year with you guys. This year we haven't missed a single week. We've been here every single week this year. Um, you know through Christmases, through birthdays, through everything. Um, you know, Ayers was on holiday in New York for a while. We still brought you the shows with special guests from Eddie Chambers right down to um, Mariam, who was on recently, a lady that came on for one or two shows. Um, you know, we've had loads and loads of people uh, help me get the show out, but I've been here every week. So I just want to say thank you very much to the listeners that have also been with us for those shows. You know, we do this show for you guys, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a pleasure. It really, really is. So uh, thank you for staying with us. Thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for tuning in all the time. It is our pleasure. And um, also, while I'm here, just talking a little bit, I'd like to say if anybody is any good at designing logos, if you want to design a Box Hard logo, because we're looking to change our logo for iTunes, if anybody wants to send in... Um, you know, a logo that you've that you've that you've made. It can even be one that you've just done with an iPhone app that's just took two minutes to do. All logo suggestions, just send them in on Twitter at Box Hard Podcast. Just send us in a logo. The best logo that's sent in, we will send out a free Box Hard Podcast T-shirt. I don't know if you've seen them on Twitter. They are nice. A few of them have been won in competitions recently. So that really wraps up part two. Just before we end the show, there's one last thing to do, and that, of course, is to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the 2016 Team GB Olympian and now undefeated professional, branded as one of the hottest prospects in world boxing, is Mr. Josh Kelly. Josh, welcome to the show. Yes, mate. Nice to be on. Nice to be on again. Um, I've been looking forward to it. Me too, my man. So, um, how about that for an for an intro right there? Nice one. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. There's <laughs> a bit of a build up there. I thought that was um, that was good. That was good. Oh, I, didn't, I don't know what I deserved. That's what was wrong, boy. <laughs> you good. do, mate. You do. You do. <laughs> so, Josh. We last spoke in May. It was after your second fight as a pro. At that stage, you were 2-0. and uh, Obviously, yeah. now you're 5-0, and and I just want to really go back in time a little bit. That third fight that you had was one where you knocked Tom Whitfield out in the first round with that unbelievable attack using just your left hand. You hit him with eight yeah. unanswered yeah. left hooks in a row, which was pretty incredible. What did you make of that fight there, Josh? A very quick one for yourself. It was um, it was it was unexpected from my my half as well. I mean, I went out and I tried to throw one two, hurt me right arm. I didn't, and then I hurt. I hurt. I think I threw a jab and a left hook, and he slid across the ropes, and that's when I just jumped on him with a left hook. Because I thought I wouldn't let, I wouldn't take a chance and let it go further on. I just double up on the left hooks, and obviously he started failing them, and he wasn't moving, so he just he took a seat and he stayed there. So it was, um, it was a good win, really, really good night. Yeah, it looked incredible watching it on the TV. I mean, like you say there, you threw one, then you doubled up, then tripled up, then quadrupled up, and the rest. I mean, it was just it was unbelievable. It really was. Um, and then, of course, you, you, you had fight number four against the Mexican, Jose Zuniga, who had never been stopped. You became the first man to stop him, and it came in the second round. Most recently... Your fight on the Katie Taylor undercard two weeks ago today against a more than respectable opponent for this stage of your career, John Hamilcaro. Yeah. Now, going into that fight, 
he had nine times the amount of fights you've had. You've only had four <laughs> going in, and he'd had 36 <laughs> fights. Incredible. And his record, obviously, 25 and 8 with three draws. He'd also been the distance with Michelle Sorrow, who's a world title contender. Yeah. Also, he got stopped in round five by by eventual world champion Jack Kulkai. Um yeah. So, yeah, you know, you, your opponent mixed it with some top fighters. You knocked him out in round six, your most recent win. How would you assess that performance, Josh, and what did you make of the fight? Well, I thought he was—I thought he was quite negative. I didn't expect what he brought to the table. Obviously, uh, you said his resume was quite good. So, uh, me and Adam going off that and going off his fights and watching him, we thought it would be a really decent step up. So I prepared for a good hard ten round, but he sort of come out the first round and didn't didn't really toss anything. It was really negative. Um, I made him miss a few times. I couldn't really land playing because he was quite—he was, he was literally running round the ring sometimes. It was a bit—it was a bit novice. And I, I felt as though his experience didn't really play. Out. But I thought he was going to come in the second round and try something different, but he didn't. He just went straight on the back foot again. So it was a bit, it was a bit more frustrating than I thought. But I thought that I was, um, I started just that. I, I was starting to try to take him out with one shot here and there in the first few rounds. But after I knew he wasn't there to be hit, he wasn't really. He wasn't really standing about to be hit or he wasn't really throwing punches. So at a count off it, I thought I have to start breaking down and going on the body. So I did. I start hitting the body and obviously, I think the, just the pace of the fight came constantly running, me digging the body shots, caught up on him in the, um, in the sixth round, I think it was. And he eventually just, I think his corner was going across the tower as well. So it was just an accumulation of the pressure and the um, body shots. I think he just, he just sort of took, took the side door out. So it was good, but I, I think I wanted to show a little bit more. But he can only perform on what you're giving in front of you. So um, hopefully the, the next opponent is um, another step up and just keep doing what I'm doing and show people what I'm all about. And I remember when I first spoke to you back in May, I said to you that, you know, it, it was good to see that you hadn't really fought anybody with losing records. You hadn't fought anybody with yeah. two wins and 47 losses. And you've still not done that. You've still fought, you know, winning records every fight. And the way you're stepping up yeah. at the pace that you're stepping up at, Josh, it looks like you won't be fighting anybody with those mad losses. Who actually makes that decision no. to fight these guys? Adam's Adam's the manager and obviously the trainer, so he pushes he he, pu- he pushes the fights and he chooses the fights along with obviously Eddie Earn and Eddie Earn helps put them on the show. But um, Adam mainly chooses who I fight. He normally says he normally sends a name over and or he normally sits down and says, look, this is the opponent, blah blah blah, and then we go through it and we sure have a little chat about it and then we move on from there. But I'm not the type to say, oh Adam, I don't feel comfortable doing this and doing that because I, I know he's got a lot more experience than me in the boxing and I know that. His choices are for the best. So when he picks an opponent, I never question it. Could be anyone. I mean, he's tra- he personally. Would, I never sit there and try and pick opponents. I don't really think about. Them. I just it just is what it is. I go over there and do my training and do what I can in the ring. So I, I feel as though I'm telling him to do that a bit. So that he's obviously been looking for like so actually and etc. And I've never shouted out none of these names. A lot of people come to me and say, "You want? Have you been wanting to fight him or you want to fight?" I've never wanted to fight anyone. I just want to keep winning, keep doing what I'm doing. The, um, Adam's Adam sort of the matchmaker, so well, the manager, so he um, he picks a fight for me, so he's the one who's getting these big names, so he's obviously confident in this, and then I, I just keep obviously filling them with confidence in the gym, and every time I'm fighting, so I can't wait for another step up, like you said, I haven't had one uh, losing record yet, and I, could, I think I could be the first. I'm not sure. As someone said the other day, it was a bit of a man fact. It could be the first ever British boxer to fight someone who wasn't had, who wasn't had a losing record. Or something like that. So I said, I'll be that'd be quite good. And I remember, like I say, when we last spoke, you just recently linked up with Adam Booth. The, you know, the relationship was going well. It seems to have even blossomed further. It seems like it's really working well for both of you. 
Yeah, it's good. Really good, right? Um, we just go on strength to strength. And he's a sort of perfect guy inside and outside the ring when I need. He's, he's obviously keeping close contact and he's always checking up outside, outside the boxing as well as inside the boxing. So just keeps keeps it nice and one in one a good level. Um, I mean, everything's, everything's moving forward the way we want it to do, so I can't complain and he can't either. And right now in your weight division, welterweight, um, you know, you've got the likes of Kel Brook and Sam Eggington moving up in weight. Amir Khan, we're not quite sure what he's doing. Aside from yeah. those guys, the top man at 147, in my opinion, is probably Bradley Skeet. Just underneath yeah. him, you've got the likes of Frankie Gavin and recent world title challenger Gary Corcoran. One fight I'd yeah. really like for you at some point, Josh, would be against Frankie Gavin. Is that a fight that interests you? And if so, how long would we have to wait until you'd be in a fight like that? I'm off any fight. I mean, you could mention any name, and I'm I'm on them lads. Who I'm just I have I have respect for the fighter, but I don't, I don't respect him in the sense that I'm not, I'm, I don't think I'm good enough to jump in the ring with any of these fellas. I think I'm ready whenever the shout gets tossed in. But um, I mean, of course, I'm I'm up for anything. I know these lads. I know I know these lads, and I've I've, um, I've done rounds. Spot all the lads you said mentioned the names there. Spot all them. So um, like Frankie Gavin, I've done a few, I've done a few. I think I've done a few rounds with him, but. But way back in the day, do spoil by the skate a lot. And Gary Corton, I've done a lot of rounds with him. So I feel co- I feel confident he's had a really good lad, and I feel like I'm holding my own in the ring room as well. So um, I'm I'm ready to step up whenever Adam's ready, to, um, whenever Adam's ready to put us in the ring room. So I might be whenever. And as I say, I mentioned there Frankie Gavin. You mentioned a yeah. little bit earlier there. Ashley Fiafane, that's a fight that Adam wanted for you. Um, if I was to put you on the spot a little bit, who would you rather fight out of those two? I know that you don't really want to call anyone else, so to speak, but who do you want best out of those two? Well, see who comes, see what happens. I think Frankie Gavin's fighting for IBO world title, isn't he? I think so. Well, a bit of a version of a world title. I'm not sure what Ashley Stevens is doing. He's going off the radar, off, sort of thing. I'm not sure he's trying to get a, a money fight against someone else before fighting someone on the up and coming. Because I feel as though I'm only having five fights myself, it's a bit of a risk for these lads to take. Because if they start taking fights against me and they get beat, then where where do they go next? Because I'm sort of five, and I'm just I'm just a novice in this pool. Game, so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mad one, but if they take fights against people who's well established and had more fights and more wins, they can sort of come back and bounce back and then probably get me. But um, I'm pushing that one. I want any fight I can get grab my hands on. Who's big out there? Any names? I'm on it. Anything and anyone. So um, out of them two names, I'm not really sure if that's a that's a sort of a choice. If they're to a the next thing I'm not really sure what's happening but um, I know I'll be fighting around March time so I'm sure that have an opponent we'll, we'll, um, we'll see if any of them needs to get tossed in the mix around March time you say you'll next be out yeah I think, okay, around, okay. I think around March time Okay, wicked, wicked, wicked. And also, um, it's been an excellent year for your gym mate Ryan Burnett. A real unbelievable year for him, hasn't it? Yeah, he couldn't have asked for a better year. He's been, he's been absolutely flying. Yeah, he really has, he really has. And as you say there, you'll next be out looking like maybe March time. Um, are you, well, I'm going to ask you this actually, rather than asking you what you believe the plan is, how many fights would you like to have in the next calendar year? I think four will be quite comfortable. Probably one March, one before the summer, one after the summer, and then one before Christmas. Because, like you said, I'm not moving at a normal sort of... I don't see it be moving at a normal pace, what normal prospects are moving at. I mean, if you're doing six rounders 
eight rounds against Pete Lewis coming there to get beat, then you could say fair enough, you can have a lot, you can have a lot more fights. But unless I'm moving into ten rounders and possibly twelve round towards the end of the year against people who are really coming to win. I mean, that French kid wasn't a good example. He, he was there too. He was supposed to come there too. Him, but obviously he had different plans. But um, yeah, so I, I think four fights will be will be enough because of the training leading up to each fight. If you fight, if you fight for ten, twelve rounds, there's a lot of hard training going into that. A lot of hard sparring, and I mean. Um, I'm not forward because I think every fight's going to be a massive step up by the time the end of the year comes. Could be fighting for like some big titles or in the midst of some big names. So um, let's just keep our fingers crossed and keep the keep the W's coming. <laughs> absolutely, my man. Absolutely. And talking um, about about recent things with you, obviously you had your own Christmas <coughs> advert on the TV for JD Sports. How was that <laughs> yeah. for you? How was that for you, Josh? Yeah, it was mad. It was mad, mate. I enjoyed it. I could get used to being on the telly. I when I first seen when I first seen myself, I, I was yeah, I was a bit shocked, but it was yeah, it was quite good and all the um, all the build up and working on set and everything. It was um, just an experience. I'm open for any adverts. If any other people want to toss us on their advert, I'm sweet. <laughs> I'm ready to go. So. <laughs> Have you ever been watching TV recently? Then and the adverts just come on and surprised you. Yeah, I was watching I'm Celebrity a lot this year. I watched a lot of that. Because when I was in camp, I needed something to switch off. So I was just like watching it on the night time and just boom. And then I would come up and start like the DNA advert. And I was there. I'd watch it and I'd not think that I was on it. Then now I thought, oh my God, I'm, I'm on the end of that like that. And I was just shocked with loads of times. And the missus is just like loving it everyone was loving it I was getting photos took in the shop and all that it was still crap to be fair and I really enjoyed it but hopefully a bit more of that, a bit more of that side comes out and then I guess a few more chances to do things like that because who doesn't love it who wouldn't love to be on telly do you know what I mean so yeah, that's good oh, brilliant man brilliant I, uh, I, I had this kind of like thought of, of of your opponent, the French guy. Maybe he came over and I could just imagine him turning on the TV in his hotel room and seeing you on an advert. Jesus Christ. He might not. That's why I might have thought, oh, he's a bit of a big shot. <laughs> no, he's, uh, I, I don't know what his plans were when he come over. I thought he was definitely a, a, lot, a lot tougher fight than that. And I thought people want to get the money's worth. But that's what, cause that's what I want to do. I want to go on there and the same people. I don't want to be a boring fighter where people come and watch and don't remember your name or don't and then we ask, I want, I want to be entertaining, so that's why I do try and be flamboyant and have my hands down. Obviously, I'm a totally different character outside the ring. I'm down to earth. I'm really quiet, to be fair, and keep myself to myself. But um, in the ring, I'm a bit of a try to be a bit of a showman. Yeah, no, no, you're you're good at it, my man. You're good at it. You're not you're not a boring fighter. I don't think you ever you ever will be. Um, did you do anything? <laughs> did you do anything good for Christmas at all, Josh? Um, just chill out. We didn't really. Um, I'm not, I'm not mad on all this going out and stuff, but I'm just just chill out and just chill with the family and then down here now with fiance. So I'm going. Me and my family's going to um, Jamaica and. what tomorrow? So just getting all ready for that. It's going to be good. Excellent, Jamaica. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, to make it for a couple of weeks and for the new year. So, um, we're going to enjoy that and chill out. Wicked, wicked. And just before I let you go, Josh, any message to your fans? Any message to the listeners at all? And um, just keep on following. And obviously, I'm not, I'm not a big head, but one of the people who want to uh, send it sort of one of them mad messages out but now nah, thankful for everyone who follows us thankful for everyone who sort of gets behind us and backs us and comes, actually comes and buys tickets and watches so if everyone would keep doing that as them, <laughs> that, that would keep me happy so, so quick 
Excellent stuff. Okay, listen, Josh, thank you for your time. It's always my pleasure speaking with you. Have a great new year in Jamaica, and we'll speak again very soon. Yes, sweet mate. All good. Have a good new year, boss. See you later, baby. Okay, and this wraps up episode 115 of the Box Hard Podcast. The scores going into the new year on the Prediction League are the listeners on 21, I as on 20, and myself on 17. This has been the last episode of this calendar year. A big thank you to our two guests, the former junior middleweight world champion, Ishe Smith. Really, really enjoyed that interview. And the potential future world champion, Josh Kelly. I enjoyed that one too. I hope that you guys did also. The biggest thanks of all goes out to the listeners for sticking with us for yet another year long may it continue i'd like to sincerely wish each and every one of you a fantastic new year enjoy yourselves this weekend people and we will see you next week